Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Nate. And we want to welcome you to Don't Feed the Trolls, a podcast where we discuss trending topics, art, and culture through the lens of our experiences touring the world and creating art vocationally. We hope to bring topics out of the minefield of the comments sections and into the sphere of reasonable dialogue. Thank you for listening. Welcome to Don't Feed the Trolls. We have a special episode today because I'm sitting with a good friend of mine who's actually in a room in Nova Scotia with me in Canada. One of our closest friends to Christy and I, Dan Koch and his wife Jaffrey are visiting me and we figured this would be a good time to maybe do a podcast. And so we've tracked Nate down in his busy, busy life and he's blessed us with uh, his presence, Hello. haven't you, Nate? I'm it's here. also worth noting that Nate and I are close. <laughs> we were we were in a band together and still are right, since I, I was 19 years old. I wasn't giving you a full intro because people are already introduced to you on this podcast. We've had you on a couple times. I think. I think we should also note that we are recording this in a parlor. This is a, a parlor. In a parlor in a room that was built in the 1830s. That wow. is true. That is true. This is I'm a very old house. I'm looking at a house. piano and like a old school stove, like wood stove. And it's a, a stuffed awesome. pheasant. Don't you and a stuffed don't pheasant. Don't you ever disregard my stuffed pheasant. Yours <laughs> on loan to my you. My grandpa killed that stuffed pheasant. It's mine now. Uh, How so, old is your grandpa? My my grandpa, Nate. He's dead. Don't rub it in. <laughs> He is dead. I mean, how old? How old was he? He was ninety. He was, was ninety five when he died. I think ninety four. Okay. Yeah. Um, when did he? When did he move into that house? My uh, my grandpa Ed, my grandma Betsy, Granny, we called her. They moved in. I think the late, uh, maybe early seventies. So oh, okay. When it was second marriage, they moved in. But this house directly looks like the house just down the road that my granny grew up in, and and they think. That's why she bought it because it was just very familiar to her. It's uh, awesome. Anyway, so how is we have, how is Nova Scotia? You guys are reporting from the field. I'm in society. Society what are you guys doing. When is Nashville anywhere society. close? Society. I love that. Uh, we're 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 having fun. I'm taking Dan around and and we're you know seeing the sights and smelling the smells and you know doing all the stuff. I don't know. Dan. Can well, how speak many? To it. I mean, how many football teams does Nova Scotia have? You know what I mean? Like, doesn't that really like? Does that define That's society? That's offensive, Nate. Hey, Nate, that, just because you don't watch the and CFL doesn't mean other people don't watch the CFL. I don't like CFL. football. That's, everyone knows that. But I'm saying we have a football team, so I would say that you guys are more reporting from the field than I am. This is, right. Nova Scotia is beautiful. The area that we're in Nashville is like, got one professional team, and now he's just... <laughs> you, get, you get a hockey one team, professional team and uh, a we hockey, have a hockey team that went to the Stanley Cup. Hello. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> you're from fucking canada <laughs> i'm just kidding i'm a huge I, I i grew up a huge canucks fan so i know about hockey, you should know uh, it's actually about... really beautiful here it's very peaceful and yet there's also some stuff that's walkable and convenient and it's been really great it's been an awesome stay so far yeah i'm well, probably I'm sure it's closer awesome. to a coffee shop than you do nate when's the last time you walked anywhere in east nashville I actually just took my family for a walk around East Nashville in the stroller. Oh, that's so sweet. Never mind then. So yeah, uh, the last time I went for a walk, 20 minutes ago, buddy. What about you? (laughs) Actually, probably close to 20 minutes ago. Yeah, an hour and 20 minutes (laughs) ago. That's when Dan took a dump in the forest, but we're not going to talk about that on this podcast. Hey, I I have (laughs) no problems with living in a field. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm. I, I would prefer to live in a field, as you know. Mm. 
But when you have two kids, you just need to be close to stuff. There you go, throwing them under the bus again. Good job. Or you go crazy. <laughs> well, Nate, I, th- I thought it would be nice for us to talk about maybe some of the core ethics and beliefs of Don't Feed the Trolls and how they overlap with some of the stuff Dan's doing. And this could be boring, and we could sidetrack, and you will sidetrack us multiple times. So we're, I'm just expecting that. Off, hey, off. hey, I listened to our <laughs> our podcast with Ethan today, and I was pulling us back the whole time. Pull, so I'm, <laughs> pulling us back. I'm pretty good. Yeah, to your narrative. It was good. It was funny. No, I, I was pulling us back to ask you questions about Ethan <laughs> instead of whatever the hell else we were talking yeah, the, about. We were talking about vaping and the, all kinds of dumb the stuff. Questions, so. The questions for Ethan always were like, how many tooth and nail bands did you play in? <laughs> <laughs> Those are the questions. That, the, the questions At one like, point, I was just guessing tooth and nail bands, and he was saying yes or yes no. Yes or no. Funny. Uh, please, please, please respond yes, no, or it depends to the following tooth and nail bands. <laughs> and the it was dingy. hilarious because we just guessed random ones, and he said yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, Hawk Nelson. I think, I think Nate said Project 86, and he goes, yeah. I was like, I, st- I started, I started Project 86. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyways, uh, that's see, that's already we're getting sidetracked. Eh? Way off track. I know, Way but off see, track. I was neither of my back. podcasts are about tooth and nail bands. <laughs> I've grown. Well, I told Dan that we uh, we should do a podcast, and he said, "What about?" And I said, "Well, why don't why don't we just ask you like what you're doing?" And because I, we've been having conversations while he, while he's been here, and they've been about kind of this idea of seeing all sides of an argument representing all sides well without demonizing the other and agreeing to disagree which nate you and i do or at least try to do this on the podcast i sometimes get angry and i don't want to um agree to disagree but we're still friends even though we disagree and that seems to be kind of a theme like we're committed to that you know um dan you and i are friends even though we disagree often yes and i say that's probably one of the reasons why I like you is because you're so disagreeable and that <laughs> that's allows... the first time and maybe the last time I'll ever hear that <laughs> sentence. I like you because you're so disagreeable well, because I am too. And I feel like sometimes I'm too much for people. I just start arguments, you know, for no reason or whatever in their eyes. But really, I'm just trying to get to the heart of the matter. I'm just trying to get past the bullshit and, and really have a conversation. And it seems that we do that a lot, even though we don't always agree. Yeah. And, uh, and then now you're, you're, you're in this realm of like, we are musicians moving into other, uh, mediums, um, and you're doing podcasts and your podcasts are like, obviously way different than ours, but there's this idea of, listen, let's well, real look quick, real at quick. everybody's opinion. Would you say that you guys' relationships like, see, would you guys say that your relationships like Kristen, Kristen Bell and Dax Shepard? complex yet <laughs> powerful is that what you guys are trying to say are, is it complex i don't know anything about uh celebrity two creative forces coming together and learning to disagree but love each other is that what you're saying <laughs> i'm saying maybe like brangelina I'm th- that's probably more like it where we do a movie together where we're where we're ha- struggling really hard in our marriage yeah but we're still doing the movie together it's like I, I bring I bring that up because there was a really dumb article on Facebook the other day about like how how Dax Shepard saved my marriage and it's it she would just fight and slam the door every time and then he finally told her like 
you're you have to have the dramatic exit. You got to stick here and and deal with the fight and work right. it out. You yeah. Know, so I've heard. So it. that's that's kind of what you guys are saying is is when you start a podcast with both sides, you gotta you gotta not slam. The well, door, you know, I've heard it right? said that war is is war is actually the absence of conflict. Right. That's the. Uh, that's 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 a saying. I've never heard that saying. It's war is the absence of conflict because it's when two sides refuse to stay in the room and have conflict. You mm. just say, "We're not going to argue anymore. We're just going to kill each other." And so the inability to have conflict and remain in relationship is what causes wars. Which actually leads great. I was going to say I think that Matt and I's friendship is more like Brangelina in Mr. and Mrs. Smith, where on the <laughs> surface we are both. Uh, seeking podcast and music-based world domination, and in theory, we should be at odds with each other, trying to kill each other and one-up <laughs> each other. Also, even in conversations and in groups, we're one-upping each other and trying to overshadow each other, and only through that do we discover that we love each other. <laughs> now, who's That's Brad and who's Angelina? I'll That's leave that to your discretion. I haven't seen that movie, so I'm totally... Me you don't have... Just the trailer's enough for the joke. The trailer's enough. Yeah, they're okay. both secret agents. They're supposed to kill each other, and they fall in love. Of course they fall in love. It's Brangelina. But didn't they actually fall in love? Isn't that how they got together? I don't It no. might have been, actually. I don't that know if movie. it was that movie. Because that was after... Um, I, why are we talking I about celebrities? I don't want to talk about that Okay, so, Dan, let's get back to... This is me. I'm doing the thing that Nate did to, with Ethan. Let's get... <laughs> how many podcasts have you started, Dan? <laughs> Nate, name five podcasts. I bet Dan started them. Uh, yeah, exactly. Both uh, your podcasts, Depolarize and Reconstruct, are about, in my estimation, representing many different sides of an argument without um, being dismissive. And I think that's kind of like what we try to do, but we do it in a way, way different way. I was, t- I was telling you earlier, I'm more just arguing for just to get to the su- something substantive and Nate is, um, Nate's, I, I would say, Nate, if you allow me to say that you're more emotional than I am, you're trying to get to the heart of the matter. That's trick, because if he doesn't allow you to say that, then you'll just say he's being emotional. He's being too emotional. But um, but that's kind of our, our angle, and your angle is, is I would find, more academic. Um, it's a bit more abstract, yeah. Abstract, right. It's, it's um, outside of the context of, like, personality. It's just, let's look yeah. at the facts, which I think is important. Um, but what? Why do you keep doing these podcasts where you're trying to bring together polar opposite sides? Like, what's the point? Yeah, I think that. So the two shows, you know, depolarizes more about political issues or social issues or psychology, increasingly, and then reconstruct is all theology. Um, but really, both of the shows are kind of about intellectual humility at their core. And on depolarize, the way we get to that is, or, or like you said earlier, you know. Um, showing both sides of the argument or agreeing to disagree. Right. Uh, on Depolarize, we do that by sort of bringing in somebody who knows a lot about something and saying, hey, tell us the facts and then tell us all the ways that the left and the right sort of take those facts and skew them for their own narrative. Right. And can we just sort of... The way I think about Depolarize and increasingly the way I think about how I consume news and any political talk or almost any talk at all now is like, okay, if I can identify the... Of 100%, if I can identify the 25% leftmost and the 25% rightmost right. and just mute them, yeah. and then, okay, now let's, everyone who's left in the middle 50%, sure. let's chat about this. Yeah. Uh, and and I think that's kind of what that show does. And then Reconstruct comes differently. It's John and I, my co-host, we each sort of answer things from where we're coming from, but 
people who disagree theologically don't often stay in the same room and chat for very long. Right. The way that we do things. It's like things. politics. It's like politics. Right. So why? Okay. Why? Is it because there's bigger consequences if you get the theology wrong? No, I don't think so because you could, I mean, you could argue that politics has way bigger consequences in terms of like life and death or food or healthcare or whatever. Yeah, but not like, not like... Uh, da- yeah, the eternity. damnation of your soul. I, I, yeah, yeah. Right. Like, I think it's more. I think that um, both politics and religion are really tied to identity, and uh, religion probably even more so because most of us. And this might have been different a hundred years ago, like when unions were stronger or when everybody was a you know member of the Rotary Club or something like that. But now, the only real institution where we have like serious communal involvement is the church. Right, and so if you. If you pick at my theological beliefs, which are the stated goal of this group of people, then you're picking at my identity and my very essence of who I am. Yeah, and 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 the agreements that all of the people that are closest to me have made. Yeah, and thus you know threatening my stability. Yeah, or communal stability. Right. Well, wouldn't you say that there's similarities though? Because I mean, I, I know that. Oh, definitely. I know that. Um, Reconstruct is more just you and John's kind of personal journeys, but then also you are representing ideas, atonement theories, etc., that are different and just kind of saying, a lot of people believe this, and I might not, but it's totally a valid belief, like given the history or whatever. Yeah, a ton of it is just giving people permission. Yeah. And and that's a huge theme in my own life. I you know, I grew up non non-denomin- denominational evangelical, but I had a couple leaders, like really influential teachers or Bible study leaders or whatever, youth pastors, who are, from an early age were like, you know, hey, we're gonna read this thing by this Eastern Orthodox monk this week. And I'm like, What? You know, yeah. like and just that's okay. Yeah. They're a Christian. And then having my mind blown, I remember, you know, I'd ask people all the time, are you Christian or are you Catholic? Which is a non sequitur, of course, because Catholics are 30% or 40% of Christians worldwide. And the original Christians. Yeah. Or 50%, (laughs) 60. It's a high number. Uh, And so, yeah, it's a lot of, a lot about giving permission. And so sometimes John and I are just saying people like this exist. Right. It might be John or it might be me or it might be some third party or some third group of people that just saying it, right. they're real. That's an option for they you. They exist, and and their lives matter. And here's here's their reasoning. It's not just this, you know, there is... CLM, guys, CLM. Christian, Christian lives matter. You know what? I would not be surprised if that... Catholic oh, lives Even matter. better, Coptic lives matter. Coptic lives matter. A very matter. small percentage oh of gosh. Catholics. Uh, Gnostic lives matter. Um, <laughs> that's a hard one for most of us Orthodox Christians to handle. You always find someone to scapegoat, no matter what. Get those Gnostics <laughs> get out of here. Get Gnostics out of here. Sign uh, them up to a registry. So how much, I, I want to get your opinion on this, because I think this, we were, we were talking a bit about this as we were walking on the, the red mud on the beach uh, today, but just the psychology of temperament. Red mud on the beach. Red mud, dude. It was awesome. Bl- uh, Kate Blomaden. Were, were you guys Google talking it. about ancient Israel and the 10 plagues or what? No. <laughs> oh, I was okay. trying not to verbally process the depolarized episode I was working on yeah. in my head so that my wife would not be mad. Dan's at me. always working. That's his thing. He doesn't really turn off. But it was yeah. good. He got, he got stuff done while we were strolling 
on the beach. I sent uh, myself a lot of emails from my phone. <laughs> from your phone? Yeah. I gotta check it. Urgent. Please read. No, I literally have 11 Dan, emails dear, from myself dear, from Dan, today. That's like a, it's a whole episode outlined in <laughs> emails to myself, and I just was smiling at myself. Urgent. Read immediately as soon as you... Yeah. Just yeah. So yeah. forget you get they came this. from you and not the parallel universe. Oh, exactly. Oh. Yeah. Well, so anyways, we were talking about, a bit about, um, was it Jonathan Haidt? Or I was at least referencing him. Yeah. Um, and then kind of the psychology of temperament and how um, when you take these tests and discover what your temperament is, they can predict, I think, 85 or 90% what your politics are going to be. Yeah. Um, and that got me really? thinking. Yeah. 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 And I, that are we me. all just pre-programmed? No, it's it might be correlation, not causation. It could be, yeah. Yeah. But, like you could go to yourmorals.com and you can take right. the... the the, their test of, of kind of right. what what moral values you hold. And then basically they could predict from that number if you're going to be Republican, Democrat, or Libertarian. Right. Pretty pretty accurately. But I think the sliding scale always, always comes back, whether it's religion or it is Christian theology specifically, or it is politics, it's always conservative on one end and then liberal on the other. And that seems to be closely related to temperament. You know, um, we yeah. have conservative religious people uh, and conservative political people. And you can see there's like, if you're conservative religiously, you're conservative politically, right? Most of the time, I yes. I mean, it, it correlates normally. I, yeah. I don't know any conservative religious person who wanted Bernie Sanders to win the presidency. I know there's, there's some, I mean... It's not a it's not a strict correlation, but there's definitely there's definitely a correlation. The, the more naturally conservative you are, uh, the more you tend to believe in sort of like a God as a, a strict father figure. And the more uh, naturally liberal you are, you think of God as sort of like, you know, the benevolent head of state kind of a thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, when it comes down to the temperament, they talk about huh. conscientiousness. Huh. So conservative people score high in conscientiousness, um, but they score very low in to uh, in openness to new experiences. Mm-hmm. Whereas liberal people score very high in openness to new experiences. And so this is just your psychological temperament. Take all everything aside, and you go, okay, what do conservatives want? They want hardworking, get paid, nine to five, go back to the simple times where you know, stay out of my life, stay out of my business, type of thing. I don't want new experiences. I want the old experiences back, right? Um, and then you have liberals who are like open to anything and everybody's voice matters. And it's just this psychological mm-hmm. metric that's being used to sort of um, push people apart. Yeah, the the thing I was talking with you about today is the work of uh, George Lakoff. And he found a difference speaking between... Speaking of simpler times. Yeah, speaking of simpler times, Matt cracks a, a C minus, a Coors Light. <laughs> Brought, when when in Canada, drink Coors Light. We brought it from duty free. Um, <laughs> yeah. But so George Lakoff, he did some research and he found that there was a strong correlation between these two different types of causation. So this is what I was working on today. Uh, and there'll be an episode about this next season of Depolarized. But basically, conservatives tend to believe in direct causation. So uh, you do this and this happens. And liberals tend to emphasize more systemic causation, right? Uh, the huh, the complex yeah. web of things that result in final products or whatever. Right, so, it's for not instance, your fault. man, so, that yeah. is that is so true, right? So, so, true. so two, so a conservative and a liberal watch the same footage of a of a policeman pulling over 
a guy. Right. And, you know, let's let's say it's one of the ones that's a little bit. You don't know. More gray. Yeah. Right. And the conservative will go, well, look, don't. He shouldn't have done that to the cop. He shouldn't have put his arm up that way. He shouldn't have walked toward the cop. He directly caused the cop to fire at him. Right. Direct causation. Right. The liberal will watch it and go, it's not at all clear that he's being violent. The system of what the cops have been told to do is obviously wrong or their inherent biases are affecting him because, look, this guy does not appear violent and yet the cop shot at him. Right. So it's it's an issue of cause types of causation. Right. And so this goes this goes really deeply. My my argument is that you need both. Like right. a nuanced and accurate understanding of the world will take into account both direct causation and indirect causation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like my whole life it's been it was a lot of the conservative voice in my head growing up and then I don't know, maybe touring a lot, being around artists, being around musicians and then having all those ideas challenged. I would say that that conservative foothold is still in my guts but then there's this whole life experience that was just so atypical to the normal guy in his 20s that really exposed me to a lot of liberal ideas and i would say that in my mind now i feel like i've arrived to a pretty there's a conservative and a liberal guy always battling back and forth (laughs) it's probably healthy (laughs) I, i i often don't know what to think you know like i can see i can see the cop and you know, my my cousin's going to be like the sheriff of Sacramento soon. And, you know, I talked to him a lot about stuff and he's like, we had him on the podcast too. Nate. Yeah, can, he convinces me of like, it's actually not a problem. If you think about all the police interactions all the time over all the cities and it's like he makes all these compelling arguments, but then you see this stuff and you're like, I don't know. It just, it's frustrating to be honest. Sometimes I wish I just picked a side and sat there dan has uh dan has a term for for that statistic when it's actually like lightning striking you but but people people see it and can recall it quicker and so therefore they they find it to be a higher risk what is that called called the availability heuristic it is a psychological fact of our brains if we can call something to mind more easily then we will think that it is more likely right and so However, if you were just on not, Facebook in 2016, you would have thought cops were just pulling people out of their car, cars and shooting sure, them and in they're the not, head, they're execution not. style. But but to but to play um, devil's advocate, well, not devil's advocate, but to argue on behalf of Black Lives Matter, for instance, would say those public instances that are caught on video are indicative of some worrying statistics as well. Right. That don't that that yeah do show yeah something. yeah yeah. And those are just the ones what's, that are what's di- his that, face that died. like like I, I've like seen hard, someone get tased and it was like brutal and like there was no reason to tase the guy. But anyways. Uh, that's just I think my what you're saying is like Harvey did. Weinstein or whatever, right? He 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 got caught, but what he is exposing is rich, powerful media guys at the top of the chain, ex- right. you know, exploiting women. Well, what would know be, what I mean? be really interesting is if somebody wrote a nice long piece about the difference in how Roger Ailes at Fox News and Harvey Weinstein have been covered by the media. And I think what you would find is that Weinstein will be given a lot more leeway because he's f- not Fox News. Okay, can ah. you fill me in on Weinstein? I don't know what's going on. He, it's recent, but he's, you know, Weinstein Pictures, which is a huge Hollywood Basically, studio. Weinstein is like Bill Cosby right now. Yeah, like 30-some women are, have come forward and yeah. say he's um, abused them. And he's like big studio mm-hmm. owner. Yeah. Name. Yeah, but he's a Hollywood, guy. He's a Hollywood, you know, yeah. liberal guy. He owns the Weinstein 
company. Yeah. It's like big time. Yeah, it's big time. Absolute so, power corrupts absolutely. Right. And, so, yeah. So, like, everyone from, and, and, you know, Angeli, Jolie. Angelina Jolie. Jolie. I don't know her name right now. Yeah. And Bran- Brangelina, just say that. That's what I, that's what I was going to say. I was like, that's not. They are Brangelina not Angelina Pitt. But, so she but, said she said that this guy uh, was yeah she's among many Meryl oh Streep oh my god yeah but many. but here's the thing we all know as men that men who are way more powerful if they can use that power to get some sexual appetite uh, satisfied. It's really hard to say it doesn't happen. We know it happens. Don't give you know it to I mean? the it's, dark side, though. I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying he's one of a hundred dudes that uh, that are at the top of the chain doing this. What would Luke Skywalker do, though? Right. So maybe if we want to talk about direct versus indirect causation on this, you know, we, you know, you might say, in theory, what's so interesting about Weinstein is that it hits closer to the liberal home. And so, like, for instance, if we're talking about Roger Ailes at Fox News, a conservative would tend to say, well, he's a bad apple. That's unfortunate. I mean, if he were to be convicted or whatever. Right. Uh, that's unfortunate. He made a lot of bad decisions, and hopefully they'll get someone better in there. And a liberal would say, no, he's part of a bigger movement where white, wealthy men yeah. can can push women around for their, for their own sexual benefit. It's just confirmation bias. But the fact that it's Weinstein is interesting because right. he's one of their own on the left. Oh, and weird. Liberals are hypocrites, too. Well, well he, I mean, speaks out, he, he speaks out. He speaks out for... Yeah. yeah, but he's a bit of an activist, and so... So now it's it's going to be tricky. It, it's sort of... It's, a, it's the exception that proves the rule. It's, it shows sort of how we talk about these oh, things I on left and right. I guarantee Fox News is not going to let this one go. No, and it'll yeah. the, their base will love that. Yeah. And and the left media will be more ambivalent. Uh, you can predict it now, basically. Yeah, sure. Because it's challenging our Yeah, there our was norms. already something about how Saturday Night Live didn't make fun of him. Right. Or didn't come out because he owned... I think he owns it or whatever. So it's like... Uh, he does? All, <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah. That's a big thing. Yeah, I mean, well, so, that's I mean, he's hard. Just, this guy's like a media mogul. He's like, he's a big deal. He's like the Comcast of internet. You know what I mean? Who's, so, the, who's the Saturday Comcast Night Live guy? TV. Lauren Michaels. Lauren Michaels. Yeah. Yeah. I, be, I bet yeah. he's grabby. I bet he's grabby. <laughs> let's not. Uh, let's not just stand here and I'm accuse not just, people of sexual I'm just saying anyone connected to Weinstein. <laughs> well, well, okay. So the, the, let me bring something up. <laughs> let me bring something up that kind it's of that kind of relates to this. This kind of relates to this. So recently, Eminem went on this huge. Uh, thing against Donald Trump, my and brother, like yeah. at the rap awards or whatever, and he just went off on Donald Trump. But some people are saying Eminem is 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 crazy misogynistic, so he doesn't have the right. That's he, art, you know, man. He, That's art. So, but what I'm saying is, <laughs> is it's it's like there is this pressure on the left side to be like a part of all these charities and say you're for women's rights. But when it comes down to it, when you're going to get yours. You're going to get yours, right? Well, I don't know. I think the Eminem thing, you know, I do think liberals tend to give like gangster rap a pass, for instance, because liberals want to, they don't want to take gangster rap lyrics out of context. They want to say, look, these guys are coming from, you know, this impoverished background and they're expressing themselves in the only way they can, which is by buying a microphone and some cheap turntables right. and nothing else is available to them. They can't get a major label deal. So they just start doing it out of their backyards. And we need to like respect that. 
you know, there's, there's basically tension between moral values all the time. There's always some tension between some moral value and some other moral value. So with Eminem, yeah, if you're a liberal, you're going to tend to downplay his outright misogyny. And if you're a conservative, you're going to tend to play it up because either way, it's a, it's an impactful pop culture event that challenges yeah. people's identities. I'm and so surprised. The, the, I mean, so we can point it out all day. The challenge is to move beyond it personally and to say, I'm going to, I'm going to try and not let my identity yeah. be challenged every yeah. time something happens. I'm going to, I'm going to try and like right. understand myself and have some humility and actually just sort of ignore the, unnecessary pop culture debates that rage all around well, me. Well, none of us really know these people anyway. We don't really know right. the kind of people they really are. It's just funny that M is, M&M goes out as a mouthpiece for the PC police. That is the interesting. Most, the yeah. most anti-PC guy of all time. And he's basically siding with all of the left against Donald Trump. I didn't watch the clip, so I don't. I don't know what his actual kind of points were. So I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't hear it either. But um, you know, it's probably just a publicity. Well, there was there. debating that like he he was guilty of the things that he was calling out, which is what I'm trying to say is that Weinstein, you know, he's a part of these these movements that that call out this stuff, but secretly, you know, he's he doesn't give two shits about women's rights or women being treated unfairly when right. he's right. getting his own. Well, so that's so. actually really related to what I was thinking about and talking about today with Matt, which is the why it's so important to have some intellectual humility with this stuff. So I'm a liberal, basically. Um, politically, I'm fairly centrist, but the more I learn about all this stuff, the more I realize I think about the world as a liberal, like just in my natural state, I do. And so... But how do liberals explain the fact that, for instance, you know, you have these like Hollywood and Silicon Valley communities full of these like far left, you know, liberal activists who send their kids to private schools. They won't send their kids to, to the a public, public school, to the right? public school. They won't they won't do in their own life what they yeah, claim yeah, yeah. they want for everyone else. And you know, I have a, our friend, Chris Hoke, our mutual friend. I think they call those limousine liberals. Limousine liberals. <laughs> right. Uh, um, and then Chris Hoke, our, our friend who uh, does the prison ministry stuff in, in Northwest Washington, you know, he says it's so much easier for his message to get across to people who are politically or theologically liberal, but the people who are actually going to prisons and who are writing yeah. letters to inmates tend to be like white evangelicals. They're right. conservatives. Right. Now, Chris disagrees with them on what they're writing about. So they might be really focused on saving <laughs> yeah. souls. And Chris is like, you just need to get a relationship going with these guys. Like they need jobs when they get out. They don't need just Bible verses. Right. And so we could disagree on like what kind of conversations we should be having, but they're the ones showing up. Right. And so as a liberal, that should challenge me. That's right. my argument. So these are the liberal thoughts and prayers. <laughs> yeah, right. Liberal thoughts like, and prayers are yes. like $10 to UNICEF. <laughs> yeah, 10 bucks to the Red Cross and some voting every couple years and that's right. not that's not enough. Right. And I think, you know, I know you guys don't do a lot of religion on this show, but I was thinking through how this related to Christianity. Well, we, we we actually do. Oh, you try you, just, you state that you don't but then you end up doing it. Well, so I was just you know, thinking so today about It comes about, out. It comes out. Yeah. But like Jesus mentions both of these kinds of causation in 
in the gospels. So if you believe in direct causation, but you're worried about systemic causation, well, then you have to deal with, first of all, the entire Old Testament prophets who say every time a city is judged, it's because they didn't, they neglected the poor. Sure. Uh, and, you know, the, the wealthy had much and the poor were given nothing. And Jesus talks a lot about systemic issues, he talks about uh, how, you know... Uh, See, that's not how I was taught it. I was mm-hmm. taught the reason cities are judged is because they're sinning. Yeah, but in the text, the sin most often brought up is economic. It's it's the exploitation of the poor. Widows that is the orphans, yeah. that is the main thrust of the that Old is, Testament prophets. That is amazing because that is not. Yeah, we weren't at, raised with that, but that's in the text. Oh, that's yeah. not at all what I. Well, because we were raised conservative, so you focus on certain things because of the way you're bent and you join. It's because of all that premarital sex. <laughs> Get it messes with your mind, but then you take. You, if you want to say, oh, great, so look at me, I'm, I'm a good liberal, I love Shane Claiborne, I, I do all the right things, I vote for all the right things. Well, Jesus says, you know, when the sheep and the goats are separated, people will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, we casted out demons. He you said, 10 bucks a red cross. I don't know you. I was naked, you didn't clothe me. I was, yeah. I was hungry, you didn't feed me. And we go, well, you know, who are you? Like, we, you, you actually have to do it. Right. Like, it's not, you. if you just live, like, okay, I'll say I, since this is more a critique of myself. If I just live in a wealthy Seattle suburb and vote for Democratic candidates for the rest of my life, fuck me. That's not Christianity. <laughs> That's not enough. It's not enough. That's yeah. not enough. Yeah. That's not following Christ. Yeah, yeah. What you got to suffer. You got to suffer alongside. What yes. if you go to Vegas and canvas for Hillary Clinton, though? Once, <laughs> once I every did, four yes, years. Yes, I did. Yeah, I did canvas against against Trump. Is I'm just more saying, accurate. like, you could get, you yeah. could just get more and more political and sacrifice more of your time for politics. But what you're saying is that there's a moral imperative to do something physically with your life. You got to start the bus drive, Dan where you get churches to sign up to bring put people on a bus and drive them to the prison to hang out with people. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I I do I don't want And if wanna... they don't go, you tell them <laughs> you're a goat. The Lord is the Lord You'll is be a goat giving... on the last day. Depart from me, you goat. <laughs> you could say, "Get out of here." We'll call it <laughs> you <God>. iniquities. <laughs> we'll call it the the sheep We'll call it Sheep for Prisons Tour. <laughs> I always thought it was just the dumb people go to heaven and the smart people go to hell because goats, goats are, smarter are than... way smarter than sheep. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Maybe there's a... I can tell you that. There's a knowledge of good and evil, uh, some, something in there. But no, I, I, do, I don't want to say that there are liberals or conservatives who devote a lot of time to political, what we would call overtly political causes, and they are willing to suffer quite a bit for it. And I think that if their heart is in the right place, so to speak, I think that that can count as taking up your cross or suffering if they really are giving something up for it. And, and whether, you know, obviously I, I have my own views of like what would be a really good thing to give up my life for. And most political causes would not fit that criteria, but I could be wrong. So, right. So with the, with the Chris Hoke thing, you're saying, look, they're actually being more like goats or sheep. Sorry. Yeah. And even though they're conservative, but they're actually showing up and writing letters yes. and trying to get into the mire with these people. Yeah, basically, best case scenario, in my view, is you get all the conservatives in America and you say, 
Thank you so much for caring about personal responsibility. Thank you for... But fuck you! No. <laughs> thank you for trying to create communities of like mutual care and individual help. Good job. Right. Please acknowledge that there are also things like systemic injustice and there are statistical likelihoods for people yeah. who don't have whatever advantages other people have. And then... At the same time, get all the liberals in the country together and say, thank you guys so much for understanding that the world is complex and that all kinds of forces combine, feedback loop each other and create all kinds of inequality. Great job on that. Now, also stop living your best life now and be willing to suffer for the poor. Right. Now, also get out of your damn limousine. Well, I mean, and realize that there's direct causation too. So, so sure. you want to talk about sure. like, this comes up a lot when people talk about poor kids or kids of color and dads being gone and all that stuff. And you get to this impasse where the conservative says, Hey, if that kid had a dad who had stuck around, he would have been okay. And the liberal says, well, if that kid's dad hadn't gone to prison for drugs, he would have been, he would have been around. And both are true. Like both things are true. It yeah, is yeah, true yeah. that your dad can fuck you up if yeah. he sucks. That is true. He will directly cause your life to be worse. We've, we've yeah. been thinking about this hanging out with Matt and Christie's kids, you know, like, oh my gosh, the effect that parents have on kids is huge. It's also true that if you average out a million black males in Southern California, a disproportionate number of them are going to go straight from school to prison, not through their own actions or their own decisions. Both of those things are true. Well, you're, you're, you're talking about in comparison to just clarify for the same crime as a white person. They're, yeah. uh, you know, you know, higher. I read, well, I, I just don't want to say, I just don't want to say that black people are going to go to jail. No, it's no, no, even, it's even crazier. I've read, I heard this on a podcast where I've read this, that if a judge, if it's right before lunchtime, your odds of getting a harsher sentence are like 90% yeah, greater. Yeah, that's higher. I believe yeah, it. Yeah. Then if he's Angry. eaten, <laughs> but, but if yeah, after but that lunch, wouldn't so affect it, that wouldn't affect uh racial but I'm divides just saying, but yes i'm just saying people it's have really biases. there is yeah. scientific proof that really dumb things happen oh yeah to send people to prison yeah and so for instance we know that there are implicit biases against black people in america yeah. like uh, my my favorite study it's not happy but i think the clearest study is they got a bunch of judges so these are people who were partners in law firms and eventually became judges or were district attorneys eventually became judges. And they sent them as a study, they sent them these papers for these junior, uh, junior lawyers in firms. And they said, here's their judgment on a case, you know, read it and correct it and send it back. So they sent the exact same, the exact same paper to like 20 judges and they didn't give the person's race just their name, which was a, a race generic name. Mm -hmm. The other 20 judges, everything's the same, same name. They added in that he's African-American. Yeah. And the judges that got the African-American paper marked it up more, said more negative things about this guy maybe has a, a long ways to go or whatever for the exact fucking well, same they, paper. They do that. They do that with the resume study where they take, yeah. uh, they take two resumes or they take four resumes. They're all the exact same resume. They just change yeah. the name to white girl, white guy name. And then on the other two resumes, exact same qualifications, 
uh, black girl, black guy name, and then they apply for jobs, and 50% more get called back on the white names. Sure. Just the name is the bias. Yeah. So, so we know that this yeah. exists. So what you want to say to a conservative person is, look, you're right. Personal responsibility matters. Direct causation happens. Of course it does. If you go to your friend's house who lost a kid to cancer and you make them a meal once a week for six months, that's real. You did it. You did and it. you're right that the government cannot do that. That's true. That is true. That is true. Right. We should be doing that. It's also true huh. that if the hospital had been better staffed, the cancer might have been seen earlier. Right, right. Like both of those things are true. Yeah, but don't right? try to depolarize me, Dan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Actually, can I get a beer? Can we take a quick yeah, break? Okay. Yeah, yeah. One quick and break, Dan. If Monsanto didn't spray poison on everything, we wouldn't get cancer. <laughs> but whatever. Uh, we'll be right back. One second. Intermission. Hey. While we're on this intermission, I would like to tell you something. My band, Sherwood, is probably currently on tour right now when you're listening to this. We start in Nashville on October 18th, Nashville, Tennessee. Then we go to Dallas. Then we go to Oklahoma. Then we go to Kansas City. And then we go to Chicago. Then we go to Detroit, Ohio, Cincinnati. So this intermission is brought to you by Sherwood. Nate's Go going Sherwood. everywhere, man. <laughs> Go to SherwoodMusic.net, get a ticket, and uh, come hang out with us. So how'd you like that intermission? That's a good intermission. I like it. That is a good intermission. I was going to ask Dan something, but he's not back yet from the intermission. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are we so going to do? I don't know. We're just going to have to just talk about all the things that Dan is bad at. No, he's back now, so... Oh, he'd probably like to. He'd probably like to. I like this. the sheep and the goats thing. This is really getting my mind turning. That sheep and the goats. That that I think what Christians unfortunately interpret the sheep sheep and the goats as is the saved and the unsaved. Well, I think that Wait. that's the that seems to be what Jesus is talking about. Yeah, but I mean, they just think that oh, I'm not a goat if I just pray this prayer. Oh, I see what you're saying. You know, they, what I mean? they simply think of it as. Well, good thing I'm a sheep. Yeah. Yeah. When I mean, actually, I, yeah, that's not, that wouldn't be the right way of reading the passage. But, but, but what you're saying is we all have the sheep and the goat inside of us. I think it can both be true that there is maybe some kind of sorting at the end of time. You know that I lean universalist, but I, I don't think you can totally say and know that everyone will be saved. But also it's true that if there is a sorting... This is like the stuff that really matters. This is how you know if if you're doing it right. Like if you wonder to yourself, "Huh, is my faith real?" Yeah. You know, if you say, "Well, I've been going to church for a while. Am I really following Christ?" and you read the sheep and the goats passage and you say, "Huh, I'm not clothing anyone or feeding anyone. Yeah. I have not picked up my cross at all." Then you could go, "I'm not doing it right." I mean, I think that's yeah. No, I, I argue this all the time when you know you read the story of the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan didn't pray no prayer, you know. Right. He he didn't know any of the proper language. He didn't accept Christ. He picked up the dead guy. So yeah. In fact, and and in fact, the context of that of the Good Samaritan parable is someone asking what they must do to have eternal life. And, exactly. And Jesus and Jesus says. What do you what do you see in the in the scriptures, which is recording 
referring to the so Hebrew how, Bible. So how do we transfer over then? Once we've depolarized or we've deconstructed and we're starting to reconstruct, which when I think of a, a reconstructed person, I think of an old wizard like Gandalf who's finally <laughs> come to. Yeah, I don't too. think of I don't think of thirty year olds talking into microphones and mm-hmm. uh, like they've reconstructed. But what are some things you can actually start to do because I've gotten this place in my life where I'm like, both sides are chattering back and forth, and I'm like, what the hell am I going to actually do about well, all this? this? I'm so tired of talking about this it. This brings me to know? a question I actually had for Dan, which was, can we talk about social media as a means to change or as a means to bring change to people, to yourself, or even as a means to be understood? Because well, you said that you said that in Ethan's podcast uh, just recently. I heard I heard you say it today, and I thought it was cool. You said I only use social media to uh, what? Would you, what did you say? You said to challenge, promote, or provoke, or my pro, pro, yeah, uh, promote my, or provoke. <laughs> because because you don't think it's good to uh, bring on inspiration because well, all it gets is likes I, and it doesn't do anything. Exactly. I want to ask Dan because Dan goes on yeah. So what the hell do we do? What do we do? Dan goes right? on occasional Facebook fasts. Right. I'm actually I'm off indefinitely now. You're off indefinitely yeah. now. So what is the motivation behind that? And have you kind of arrived at the same uh, conclusion that I've arrived at that there this this is no means to change somebody? Or do you think that social media does does provide that? I think for for a while I tried to I think I I think I mostly succeeded not always at kind of moderating discussion between people who didn't agree people who knew me for different reasons or who knew me for the same reason, but just shared differing views. And, you know, I think it went okay. I I don't think that um, my decision to get off of social media is partly that that went fairly well, but I think my time is better spent like creating a podcast that that maybe hundreds of people will listen to than responding to to two or three people on Facebook. Um, Also, I think that I'm starting to take some of my own medicine or my own advice, which is that, you know, once you start and we haven't, we can't get into this right now, time wise, but basically the arguments that people make on Facebook, the arguments that we make to ourselves and to other people out loud that explain why we believe something Mm. usually come after the fact that we believe something. They are not usually the reasons why we believe something in almost all cases. And so to just go back and forth and argue on Facebook is sort of the reason it feels so futile is because it is pretty futile. It's, it's kind of like, uh, you, you know, when you when you argue with someone in person, you have all these ways you can communicate. Facial expression, body language, you right. can touch their arm, you can you can remind them of something you've shared in the past and laugh about it to diffuse the tension. Right. When all you're doing is typing words that say, This is why I believe this, yeah. the problem is that's actually false. You might not realize it, but it's not why you believe it. You believe it because you felt this and this and this for a long time and you're naturally conservative you're naturally liberal and you don't know that there's all these reasons that you believe something and you're unaware of them right and then you get on a platform and all you do is type words out that say this is why i believe it there's no consequence really either there's no consequences and also you don't even know that that's false but you're at the same time your your brain is triggered into like a war Mm -hmm. (laughs) state like this is fight or flight 
Like you're, yeah, you're sometimes, yeah. You're lower. Like if it's if it's. I a, just if, sent you guys a meme that we actually posted on Don't Feed the Trolls last October, and it's a picture of this guy, and it says, "This is Gary. He's the first person on record to change his opinion after engaging yeah. <laughs> in a Facebook debate." No, and I think here's the thing: if you're trying to change somebody, you've already failed. People don't change when your intent is to change them they automatically put their guard up they automatically plant their flag and and dig their heels in and say fuck you if you just live your life and that's what you're saying is like if i just go do my work and do my research and put my podcast out you know that is going to be so much more better time spent because i'm actually living my truth as opposed to yeah i think that's what i'm supposed to do um my my buddy greg um who is a radio producer in seattle um, he's going to be on this upcoming season quite a bit as well. And so you'll probably hear this if you listen to that, to the next season of Depolarize. We're talking about Tomlin Trivia? Greg Tomlin from <laughs> Tomlin Trivia. Um, but he, he he's big, He's and he's a conservative. He's a Republican guy. He's natural conservative. You know, he and I have had a lot of conversations about that. But he basically says, just get off of social media and just like find somewhere nearby to volunteer. So, you know, this is kind of my version of that, which I understand I'm getting off easy. I'm making a podcast, which I like doing rather than actually going and hanging out with a bunch of like homeless women in a halfway house, which would be harder for me. But the idea is just... And, but it would be better. It would, it would be better. I mean... <laughs> for, I, you your, know, for your soul, at least, yeah, you know, you like know, your soul would feel better. I think everybody so needs creepy, to do Matt. some kind of... I think Sorry. everyone should do some kind of volunteering. <laughs> um but, you know, it's like we just something about I don't even think it's totally understood yet, honestly, but something about totally disconnecting our arguments from our lives and from, and from even like a personal persona or whatever is just something about that is weird. And it's not it's not getting at the truth of human experience right it doesn't really get it right are you talking about like when you see someone who who has like a certain aggressive personality online but you know them in real life and you're like they're not like that is, yeah, is that some, sort yeah. of like the dis well i think that connect? that would be an example of that would be sort of a clue that th- it does this the format itself right. does this it allows it, that i think that social media well so here's one way you might think about it um you've all levin who is a conservative economist yeah really brilliant guy he is writing a lot about institutions these days uh you know institutions are basically the things that everybody is losing all their faith in congress the catholic church rotary club um whatever all these things are in school uh christianity all these things are institutions we used to as americans uh and, and in other times as well we would go to institutions to be formed so you would uh, become a Freemason sure. in the time of Tolstoy's War and Peace to be turned into an upright gentleman in Russia and, right. and learn the good and whatever. Right. I'm, and, I'm leaving aside and institutions Freemason. had ethics that they like tried to carry out. Like like yeah. Yale is like light and truth. Right. You, know? you and go like, to Harvard to right. become the kind of person that Harvard produces. Right. right. But now those institutions are all fading. And what we have now instead are 
institutions that are not there to form us, but are platforms for us to express ourselves. So Facebook and Twitter are self-expression fucking machines. Oh, yeah. And so if our interaction with institutions is such that all we do is express ourselves, well, then think about Facebook. So... You know, people talk about virtue signaling, especially on the left, but people on the right do this as well. We put out an image that we think makes us look good and that we know is public. We self-consciously are aware. Mm. Anything I say here can be seen by anybody. I'm going to frame it in the right way. I'm going to sort of show myself as this kind of person yeah. that will make me maximally I'm attractive. I'm funny. I'm witty. Have you ever done this where you, yeah. where you, you have a funny tweet and so you type it and then you look at it and you're like... Man, I gotta word. I gotta word that better. I gotta word that better. Yeah, you got you, to word it better. <laughs> Do you feel like this could be compared to like one day Zuckerberg is gonna realize this and he's gonna have to become Miles Dyson from Skynet and he's gonna have to destroy no. this thing that he created for humanity to survive? Uh, no, I don't think so. He's not gonna be that kind of hero. But it, but come I, on, I, man, I, that's like <laughs> so. I, Miles Dyson is just we, it's what we need though. We I, sometimes I feel like Facebook just needs to implode. It's too late. I mean, it'll be something else. Somebody but, else would just do it. Yeah, it's too bigger. much money. So it, too, the, too the onus is on the individual person to realize that self-expression is not what human human life is about. So self-expression is not what's light what life is all about. I yeah. take I sort of take an issue with that because okay. I, I think it is what life is about. I just don't think self-promotion is what life is about. I okay, so we disagree. Great. Let's but talk about I, it. But, <laughs> but express like what I'm saying. But it's is, both guys. You're both sheep and goats. You got to come to the middle. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it's both things. Everyone with a Facebook page who posts photos or Instagram or whatever or tries to be funny on Twitter, they're all promoting their brand, which is their their, their not necessarily. Well, yeah, they're not express. They're not fully expressing themselves. That's not an art form. I'll say this. My wife is never promoting herself and is always expressing herself. She's not a promoting kind of a person. That's not her personality. She's never self-promoting. She doesn't even know what that would be. But she's expressing herself. And a lot of people are glad that she does it. And they like to follow her. And they like to see pictures of our cat or progress of our house being painted or whatever. So why is it bad for her to express no, I, herself No, it's online? not bad. But it's not the nadir of the human experience. It's not in our, in our culture, authenticity and self-expression are the cardinal virtues. It's no, it didn't used to be that way. Yeah. Yeah. The greatest generation, the cardinal virtues were like fortitude and courage and like sticking it out through suffering. Integrity. Nobody cares about sticking it out through suffering. I mean, that's definitely not on the top of our minds. No, no, no. No, because we haven't had to suffer anything, we really. We grow up watching John Wayne and Clint Eastwood and, you know, like, there's Well, yeah, so there, and there's a dark side to that. I mean, there's a, always a dark side and a bright side to all of this stuff. It's just that the trap that we're in right now, I think, is that we are sort of expressing ourselves to death. Yeah, and I've, I've fallen into that, too, where I'm like, I'm just not going to go on here anymore. Because you feel like you're competing. You're like, oh, I need, I need to say something. And yep. I, it, it needs to be smart or it needs to be what I what I normally pick is something that I know that I know will will make people skin crawl because that at least will trigger an interesting conversation for me that will go on for days. And it's 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 pathetic <laughs> ultimately because 
I've taken the dark path. I've gone, there is nothing good that can come from this. Yeah, that's that's rough. And Yeah, yeah. And honestly, like I would just I would rather trigger people so that they when they go to sleep, they're thinking about things. Because I feel I actually do feel like that's more helpful than mm. um than if they see like a a positive meme and then click like and it goes away, you know? Yeah, except that unless the way that you're trying to get them to think about something is by engaging like we were talking about earlier with just their conscious arguments and you're not engaging with the underlying values from which those arguments come. Because if you can't get at those, if you can't get at the real person below the then arguments... Then you take a fire poker to the projection of that person. I don't think it works that way. That's exactly <laughs> why it saying, doesn't work on Facebook. I'm just saying exactly. The whole format, it's like, people are like, you need to be saintly on here because to show people whatever, whatever. I'm like, no, this is all out the window. Well, right I now, just think that they're wrong and you're wrong. Well, <laughs> psychologically, I think, I think you can... I almost think on Facebook, like I said, promote or provoke, you have to be provocative for there to be any value in what you say. If it is only informative, you're only going to attract people who already agree with you. You're saying if you want, are you saying if you want to change minds? Because I think not that... I, I'm not trying to change anybody's mind. Because my, my wife prov never posts anything provocative. Thank God. Yeah. Man, if she did, what would I do to her? No, but I'm but just I saying, mean, like, I, like if I trigger people into a conversation, people usually don't comment who disagree with me. I, I definitely but they get triggered and they get they they start commenting. We have a conver we have a real conversation. That's what my personality is about. Let's have a real conversation. Let's stop doing this projection thing. It definitely feels like people who are struggling with constant uh, provocative posts, and I, I have I'm struggling thinking lingerie right now when i say that word but i'm i'm thinking more like that's, I, I often go man they must be really unhappy because to constantly have to sort of air your dirty laundry out there or just your thoughts and your, i mean just constantly doing it something automatically amigos something's not right they get attention Here, though. here's <laughs> here's maybe another way of getting well, at sure. it let's say your goal is to get trump impeached let's say that would be your highest good you think if that's your goal ought you to wake up every morning and read twitter until you are sufficiently outraged at donald trump <laughs> is that the way to do it i'm yeah. thinking probably not yeah no if you really wanted to accomplish that goal right you would i don't know figure out which lawyer is going to challenge this or who's going to get the taxes or like whatever if you really wanted to do it you would you would get off Twitter and right. you would start fucking working on it. Yeah. And, and, and you could replace that with anything else. Whatever the thing is that you care about that would make your life better and make the world better, probably the way to do it is not just getting up and getting outraged on Twitter or is Facebook. Is the internet the worst thing to happen to America? Of course not. No, it's not. I'm just saying, like, everybody who would have done something good in their lives is now a keyboard warrior. I just doing think we're nothing good. I just think we're real early. We're just so the early on. Internet. <laughs> internet. We're it's just really so early bad on. I mean, you. we've literally only had we've only had like widespread broadband access now for like 15 years. Yeah. Maybe less. Well, so that's just, it's just too early. We it's like the first 15 years of the typewriter. I don't I know think, what people were talking about back then. 
They were typing the Bible, Dan. I think Zuckerberg's going to have an awakening. (laughs) Put the typewriter. What is the 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 press? The printing press, yeah. (laughs) All right, what, Nate? Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. I just, I'm going to call it now. I think Zuckerberg has an awakening and he takes down Skynet. I just think he's going to do it. But I also think that, you know, he's growing more and more aware of social issues, it seems. And I think maybe Facebook has sort of forced him into this weird role of having so much access to so much going on that I think he feels a huge burden of what he's going to do. Yeah, I mean, with great power comes great responsibility. I think it's yeah, but I mean, good it's that like, he feels a great burden. If he pulls yeah. the plug, well, that would be a brilliant thing. Be Everyone crazy. loses their Facebook, but then all the companies would just jump right in to like compete to yeah, try to get those users. He also has like the livelihoods of hundreds of thousands of families under his employ. I mean, that's important too. Yeah, that, I know, but I, I'm. But I'm just he, saying he, he has enough money to pension them for the rest of their life. I don't know about that. <laughs> maybe. But these machines are going to do so much for us as humans, right? Internet relies on outrage for clicks. Yeah. And clicks are advertising revenue. Sure. And if you want, you can spend the rest of your life being outraged. You literally could. Or if you want, you could spend the rest of your life outraging people. Either one. And I would say I don't really like either of those. I don't like either of them you either. You really is, like the second no, one on I Facebook. No, I don't. I don't <laughs> like that. That's why I go for walks and read books, Dan. I'm trying to stay off the internet. <laughs> that's that's Matt, dude. Despite all your rage, when you're on Facebook, you're just a damn rat in the cage. <laughs> I'm not on Facebook, man. I get on once a week to start a Amen. fight and then I leave. Yeah, I don't think that's healthy either. I, I yeah, think it's shut all... your judgment up, <laughs> pompous hey, I, prick. I can be judgmental with two of my best friends. You can't. I'm going to come after you next. My next Facebook post will be about Dan. Next Facebook post is repolarize. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Fuck this guy. This guy with his fucking Jesus <laughs> complex trying to bring people together. <laughs> Fuck you. Oh, man. Man, you're just We don't need no fight. white savior. We don't need no white savior. Classic crime, just losing fans slowly every day. That's my main goal is just to be down to one, my wife. And that's it. What a sad, what a sad life outlook. Shut the fuck up, Dan. Stop judging. You can't judge me. We are on our third drink. Just so oh you my know. gosh! Yeah, I, I'm I'm the guy in the room going. I don't have any alcohol in me, and I'm talking about Terminator. Uh, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. In this that's just sober, right Nate. Now. Skynet is sober, Nate. <sighs> my last question was like 20 <laughs> minutes ago, and I thought we were going to be done. Of course, we're not because we're all a bunch of talkers. But I think this was a good conversation, generally speaking. Yeah, if I could just if I could sum it up again, is just to say, look, no matter who you are, you exist somewhere on this spectrum of left or right, like, and your very nature and everyone else exists somewhere on that spectrum and just find yourself on that, on that, acknowledge it and then go, okay, cool. This is where I'm at. That's fine. Uh, I must be missing something on the other side. And so if you're liberal, that's for conservatives. And if you're a conservative, that's for liberals. And if you're a libertarian, then actually you can learn something from both of the rest of us. And, uh, that's just true and and that's okay and it's actually quite liberating i can get down with that i'm into that i can support that i would say theologically i've done all of that and it's been really great the hardest part is to not get the rage back at the other side like i used to yell at you dan you there for a lot of reasons yeah 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 okay i i mean i we used to argue a lot about you know when you were going through some 
questioning some stuff on tour or whatever. I remember getting in debates with you about it. It was so hard for me to even begin to even acknowledge there was multiple theories on heaven and hell, multiple theories on salvation, you know? I just think that I'm glad that I did, because I feel like the God that I believe in now is much bigger than he was. Before. No, totally. And But I think that it's normal, especially for people who are in kind of my friend group and my sphere of influence who have become more liberal over time to go, Oh yeah, Nate, that's great. Yep. You got to do that. You got to challenge your conservative assumptions. But a lot of us are unwilling to challenge our new liberal assumptions that we have inherited with all our friends in our cities. You just magnetize to the new stuff. And yep, exactly. And so it's important, it's important to go, Oh, but also that evangelical 70 year old woman who is so uncool mm. has been writing letters to a prisoner for 20 years. Yeah. And I haven't done shit. Yeah, exactly. And so both. When we interviewed Chris Hoke, he said the same thing. Um, and I thought about that too, that, yeah, that, and I had, I had a lot of talks with these about people who have kind of gotten fired by churches. And I think that ultimately you leave the church, you deconstruct, but I think, the road always wraps around to where you go back to the church eventually. Be, you some, don't. That's some Homer shit right there. You, you don't, always come the, the hero's Odyssey. journey. He always returns, right? I, I, I actually, Nate. I hope that that's true. I, I think that if we leave all our institutions behind and we don't find an institution, I, I do think that a human life with with only connections that suit my fancy, my various fancies. I think that's a shitty life. Mm. And so I, I, my hope is that people can, even if they can't come back to the church or whatever, I hope they come back to something, some kind of group with a higher purpose. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of those people will not, and then they'll end up in like AA or NA or something, and they'll have the 12 steps, and that'll be their higher purpose. I mean, but like you have to have something. Uh, structure, so, structure wise, you're talking about. I, yeah, I think it's. I, I just think like. Do you think institutions at, at large, or do you think? Yeah, I think institutions are important, and, and you know, there's a downside to any particular institution, and so maybe we need some new ones or some some tweaked ones or something like that. But like, put it this way: institutions going gonna be a bad word in ten years. Oh, it already is one. It so already you is have one. to call it something else. It's gonna be commune again. Well, whatever it is, but like, <laughs> I'll just this is this is how I want to say it. The modern American dream of here's how my life will be good. I will make enough money. I will present myself attractively on social media. People will think people will think I that I that. have a good time. I will fill my my house up with the right kind of furniture. It will be well chosen and look cool. And then I will network with people in my industry and I will get good jobs and the whole thing will loop on itself and I will have the best dinner parties. Wait, hold on. I'm writing this down. <laughs> I'll have the best dinner parties. I will have the most interesting anecdotes You seem to, to have say, all the answers here. This is good. That life is bullshit. Oh, it will so. not yeah. make you happy. Uh, I oh, ten- yeah. oh, yeah. I happen to believe Jesus, even though I don't do it very well, which is... You, you actually can't live a good life unless you give up your life in some meaningful way. And so I just think that that connects to all of these conversations because so much of this stuff is unseen. Our conservative or liberal biases are unseen, but also as 
older millennials, and Nate, you might have just missed the cutoff, but Matt and I are millennials. You know, we are in that we're in that soup, and we don't realize we are, and yet we accept all of these things blindly. That this is what you do to have a good life for 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 ten years of my adult life, of my adult life, like nineteen to twenty nine. I thought I'll just have an extraordinary life, and that will make me happy. Hmm. I said that out loud. <laughs> Now, this is before Instagram got big, but still, that's horseshit. I know that's yeah. false now, but I really, thought it was, I really thought it was true. I am a victim of my own generation. I am. We all have this yeah. shit. It's th- in us. I think that's that's definitely in me where I see, you know, and Nate, Nate, you have this too as an individualist. Just you see everyone going a certain way and you go, I'm going to go a different way. I'll different be line. extraordinary I'll and be, then that'll make me happy. I'll be unordinary at least. you know what would really yeah. make you happy hanging out with a bunch of lepers that'd be extra it would actually make you happy yes yeah it would until you got leprosy <laughs> yeah i mean they have pretty good medicine nowadays <laughs> i saw that photo Sorry. of the pope kissing kissing that guy that had that some sort of leprosy and he was kissing him uh and he had all these deformities and i just thought man this pope does things like I've never seen a pope do things. And so you mean Christ-like Catholicism? Yeah. All right. yeah, let's not get into Catholicism well, right now. You but, guys, but my point is, oh. my point is, is like, listen, you've been talking, yapping your mouth this whole podcast. I've been I, quiet. I'm trying to wrap it up. Go ahead. I've been Jesus-like over here, <laughs> listening ahead. to you. You've been Go patient. ahead, Jesus. Tell us something. No, Drop some knowledge. I would say, Dan, you're you're correct in that because. I mean, for me, when I was in junior high, the only thing I ever want to do was be in a band. And then when we got it, when you get the thing you always want, for sure, it's never going to meet your expectations. Yeah. And you're sort of always sort of chasing that high that you think is around the corner, but it's definitely not. And I think what you're trying to say is you'd be pleasantly surprised when you hang out with some people that nobody wants to hang out with. Sure. Yeah. Put it this way. Jesus of Nazareth said, you must lose your life in order to gain it. Kendall Jenner says, hang out with fabulous, <laughs> cool people and you'll be happy. You you might, Kendall Jenner might be right, but my money's on Jesus. <laughs> Boom. What? What? I just had I just had this vision, Dan, while you're saying all this of you standing in line when we were making the Sherwood record wearing your hair is all over the place. You're wearing sweatpants. You've got these dad shoes on and a pillow for the anal fissures. And you just look like you walked out of a hurricane. <laughs> and you didn't give two shits about anybody else except that sandwich or whatever we were ordering. And it was like... I just had, I just had this, I just had this vision of you standing next to Kendall Jenner or whatever, and her looking at you. And, and I remember being there going, and I was at a point where I'm like, I'm glad I'm in a band with this kind of guy, as opposed to like that. Oh, what's that band that I hate on Twitter? They're probably nice guys. Need to breathe. They just. <laughs> They just look like... Are they so they sexy? Like, it's just stupid yeah. how dumb they look. I'm just like, you guys are. You guys spend hours 
creating that look. You can't not yeah. spend well, hours. My, my whole thing was it feels the same if you go from $15 million to $13 million as if you go from $1,500 to $1,300. And one mm-hmm. is $200, and that creates the same amount of anxiety. And the other is $2 million, and it creates the exact same amount of anxiety in your life. So the amount of fame, you can insert anything into this, money, whatever, that does not improve your life because the feeling of losing it and the anxiety that goes along with it or the feeling of insecurity you have, it's the same feeling. It doesn't like exponentially get worse when you have more or less money. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. unless you're worth $15 million and... When you become worth $13 million, I mean, you had to lay off 200 people, then you might feel pretty yeah. bad right. about that. And that's why yeah. mo money, mo problems, because yeah. that $2 million could have saved lives. Whereas your yeah. 200, not so much. Yeah. Or two grand or whatever it was. No, I mean, Jim Carrey is known for saying this. I, I think that he says, I wish everybody could get everything they wanted so that they could realize that it wouldn't make them happy. Right. And then start asking real questions. You guys got to go online and, and watch uh, on YouTube, Jim Carrey. I think it was like I needed color. Was is it's oh, like a seven minute video? Seven is it minute where short at Homeboy Industries? No, it's oh, a I seven minute it. short documentary on, oh, on on Jim Carrey's painting career. He, he I makes would love to watch beautiful paintings. Uh, anyways, um, that's all for now. Wow, I could actually wrap this thing up. We're <laughs> cut like seventeen hundred minutes out of. You it, went off sure. on some dumb Jim Carrey thing. I don't know where what? you're going with this. Oh, you talking about Dan? No, it was good. Oh, you. Oh, I was talking about the video. Yeah, go watch the video if you want to be inspired. Oh, by just Let's saying. cast lots. Let's cast lots for who will have to edit this episode. Yeah, I think we'll just put it as a troll talk and leave it Leave it to the... No, we need no. content. After all, right. all of this, I want the exposure. Oh, Dan shit. Needs, Dan needs Look followers. at you. There's your See? perfect hairdo. Craven. And your Instagram selfie I'm exposed. Craven. It's true. It's all right, true. Fine. Uh, everybody, thank you for listening to the Don't Feed the Trolls. We're on Patreon at patreon.com slash don't feed the trolls. Go pledge a dollar, five dollars, twenty dollars a month. Help us out. Put out great content like this episode with our friend Dan Koch. Thank you for being with us, Dan. We appreciate you. Thank you. And you can listen to Depolarize or Reconstruct <laughs> wherever you hear podcasts. Yeah, just Google those. Those are good podcasts. <laughs> All right. And thank you. You can listen to our band, Sherwood. <laughs> yeah. That's right. And we're going on tour. Yeah, it's a one, it's another side thing you do. I can be in a band with you, Dan, because you'll wear sweatpants out and then tell people you're making a rock and roll record, and they look at you like, huh? Okay. I you can know, still turn and, a guitar up pretty so loud. So Dan's not about projecting some ideal image of uh, The himself. thing is, you're, this story no. makes it sound like I have succeeded at this, but I have not. I have spent a lot of time... <laughs> Thinking about my personal image, I've just done a but, poor yeah, job. Yeah, sure, of it. we all we all do. But if you were like the dudes in Need to Breathe, I would just 
I would just stop. Gosh, every can I just I say, I don't know those dudes. They're probably really sweet dudes. The thing dudes. is, too, I mean, they're... The, <laughs> but look, look at every... If you're in a look at every band, promo. there's a product. It's fine. I mean, it's fine. Like, if you run a company, you have to look I, a certain yeah, way. But I like, get it. It's so look okay. At, look, at every, look at every actor in, in the Hamilton play. I'm They're more, all dressed up, Nate. I am more talking about no, like individual saying, I'm people. I'm saying, like, to me, that they are the epitome. I, like I said, they're probably nice dudes, but they are the epitome of that thing you do when you're in a band that I they're, hate. They're putting on the play. They're playing. Yeah. I just think like, a clearer example is someone who's, whose job it is not to put a particular brand out there. Uh, just a person. Like, if someone is in a industry where looking a certain way is financially rewarded and they're trying to make a living i have a lot more grace for that and nate aren't they from nashville isn't that what everyone in nashville does i don't i don't know actually i glamour cowboys i went out to dinner with my wife wearing i didn't have any clean clothes i had i wore a sherwood shirt and i'm sitting at the bar and this guy goes hey cool band and i'm like i'm an idiot i totally wear sherwood shirts now i think the statute of limitations is passed I I like the least cool guy in Nashville ever, Matt. Is what I'm saying. I wear okay, my own not, band But t-shirt. let's not do our own virtue signaling about how cool we are by being uncool. No, well, yeah, I'm, you know I'm, what no, I, I do? I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I took a I dump want in the middle of the road in front of a school bus. I don't give a shit. That's like that, that I'm I I'm not saying I don't want to be cool. I would like to be cool, but I'm I'm just by default not cool. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's true. I've known you for a long time. I can attest to it. Doesn't happen. Very cool. I look more like a line. I look more like a linebacker than anything. That's true. You were you were kind of blessed in that sense because you were never gonna be the emo singer. You're just too big. Your family's too. You you and your brother are just too big of guys. (laughs) You were never gonna be that guy. You can't be that guy. Aren't there dudes that are big that are emo singers? No, meatloaf. Not true. Not true emo singers. No way. They meatloaf are thin. is pretty emo. Yeah. My point is, is Nate, you're gonna is, cut is out like, all the. I don't. Every time you say my point is, we get 15 extra minutes added. No, I just think. The, I just think this is good. I think this is the crux of what I want to say is that like, okay. there is that voice in your head. It, it tells you, you just need a little bit more of whatever it is, and. I don't know. Maybe the blessing of us being in in bands is our bands, you know, peaked in our late 20s. So we still have we have the rest of our lives to go. Well, then what the hell is all this about? Right. (laughs) Right. True. Yeah. Yeah. You're going on tour. Hold on. Hold on. If you're friends with if you're friends with Need to Breathe, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Please take us out. Come yell. Come yell at the insensitive man. All right. I mean, Please I, take I know, sure out. I know for a fact that <laughs> we have like at least twenty mutual friends with those guys. <laughs> I can think of three or four of them right now. And all and, he's and saying the, is that the, they're beautiful. That's all he's the, saying. The, the only reason I wouldn't have said this in the past is because I was afraid it would hurt my career. But it's already destroyed. <laughs> yeah, so I don't give a shit. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. I'm honest. They, they're tools in the way that they dress sometimes. They're probably nice guys. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Internet. I'm not judgmental. With that, good night. Good night.